This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, the football season has come to a, uh, an official end. Uh, no level of football is currently playing, obviously, with the end of Super Bowl 57. Kansas City Chiefs are this year's Super Bowl champs. And, TJ, I know you watched the game. I know you ate your way through the game as much as I did. Um, what was your takeaways from, from this year's Super Bowl? I mean, I thought it was a great game, first of all, right? Um, two of the best teams, two the, the two best teams we saw all regular season, both one seeds, both very deserving of being in that game. Um, everything you thought it was going to be, right? I thought early in the game, uh, my initial hunch was right where uh, it looked like Philly might be a little bit too much for the Chiefs, uh, just too much talent all over the field. Um, which looked like it was going to be the case there. I mean, a double-digit lead there throughout the first half, and uh, then that old son bitch Andy Reid man started making <laughs> some adjustments, and it's like, well, here we go. You know, you knew the Chiefs weren't just going to lay down and let you walk all over them. Um, I thought it was just a, an outstanding display of coaching. I thought it was an outstanding display of uh, Mahomes and Hurts. Uh, athleticism and just prowess of uh, dominating the quarterback position. Uh, I thought the trench battles were maybe not as great as I was hoping just because the field looked like it was in such bad shape. You saw a lot of guys slipping around there, which definitely impacted uh, both defensive and offensive lines. Uh, But that was still a juggernaut of a matchup. And uh, I don't think it was out, out, out. I don't think it was overshadowed by controversy. I know a lot of people, uh, were complaining that they didn't like the holding call there with a minute 50 left. Um, it wasn't a bad call, though. I mean, I watched it. It was that. a hold. I rewound it. I saw it. Was it egregious? No. It wasn't the worst defensive holding you're ever going to see. Was it a hold? Yes, it was a hold. Um, and I thought, the you know, I thought they got it like, They got it right. They got it right. They just did. Now, it sucked that, uh, as a fan, we all wanted to see you know, Philly respond with a two-minute drive to go win the Super Bowl, right? That would have been awesome. But at the same time, you know, when you talk about controversy, if you if it's a penalty, you call it. That's all I want as a fan now watching games. I want consistency. If it's a penalty, call it. If it's not a penalty, don't don't call it, right? 
Uh, clearly a penalty, though. Clearly the time to throw that flag. Um, and just is what it is. It it impacted that play. It did. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to sit here and say, well, oh, it was barely an offsides or it was a barely a face mask or, oh, it was you know, barely too many men on the field, you know, with a guy running off on a substitution that's five yards away from the side. It doesn't have an impact on the play, but it's a penalty, right? Just yeah. is what it is. So um, I, I didn't feel any animosity towards the refs for making that call. I thought it was the right call, and uh, I thought it was an outstanding game. I thought it capped off what really felt like uh, one of the better NFL seasons, you know, in, in recent memory. I thought there were a lot of just fantastic games, not only through the regular season. We got a couple during the playoffs, a couple blowouts as well, but I thought that Super Bowl kind of encapsulated the uh, full excitement and storyline that we saw um, starting to, to develop last August, and I thought it was a good ending. So moving forward, um, and, and I don't want to get into the penalty too much. Like you said, it was a penalty. If it's not called, you know, and or if the penalty doesn't happen, like does Juju Smith Schuster come wide open? And you know Patrick Mahomes hits them; they score a touchdown. That's probably that's one of the more likely scenarios. Uh, and then it's better for Philly if obviously Kansas City scores quicker. So there's a lot of pros and cons about that. And you know people could talk about the consistency. These are human beings, and we're going to criticize them whether it's a coach, it's a player, it's an official about getting every call right. It's never going to happen. I thought it was a well-officiated game. I Like you, I thought this was a really good NFL season, but let's bring this back for the Detroit Lions and talk about the Philadelphia Eagles for just a moment because if the, if the Lions ever have the hopes and dreams of making a Super Bowl, they're going to have to go through all of these different NFC teams. The Philadelphia Eagles, offensively, they're a very homegrown team. Everybody was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles that played or at least started offensively except A.J. Brown, which we know that they acquired him in a trade with the Tennessee Titans. So they've been able to draft, they've been able to, to develop, and they obviously have Jalen Hurts as a very young quarterback. Defensively, they're a little bit older, and they're going to have to make some decisions and some changes. How sustainable or how 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 – dangerous are the Philadelphia Eagles in the years to come? Well, until they have to pay Jalen Hurts, <laughs> you know, which well, is coming up here. he's entering the fourth year of yeah, a four-year contract. Which, he's a second-year or second-round quarterback. Yeah, which might be, uh, you know, this this summer at some point. Um, and look, I know teams can kind of finagle their way through the salary cap and restructure and whatnot, but uh, it just is what it is, man. I mean, is he, he's probably a guy that's going to command, you know, $45, 50000000 million, right? Um, that's just the way the game's going. Um, that's going to cost you at other positions, right? It just is, uh, the thing. And it, and it's done that with Kansas city as well. Um, the luxury they have though, is that Patrick Mahomes is just so damn good that, yeah. you know, it, it, it get rid of Tyreek Hill. Oh, okay. We'll find somebody else, you know, cheaper, not as expensive to, to go in there and fill that gap, you know, and still win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, is Philly that kind of team? I mean, I don't know. Jalen Hurts is damn good. I think he, you know, this year was uh, definitely a, a game changer. Um, you know, um, uh, even even when he got hurt, uh, still making plays. Um, they're getting a little older, though, you know. Mm-hmm. They're not one of those teams that you look at and you say, man, they got a lot of youth. Like when you look at Cincy, a team that I think we can agree that is probably going to be 
you know, close to a powerhouse for the next, I don't know, maybe four or five years. Um, a lot of youth, right? Joe Burrow, obviously a young guy. Uh, Mixon, you know, young running back. Jamar Chase, young. T. Higgins, young. They're going to have to figure out how to pay those guys. But a lot of, lot of youth around that team. When you look at Philly, you know, Kelsey, I mean, the last couple of years has flirted with retirement, right? Lane Johnson, I mean, he ain't getting any younger, right? Yep. 10, 11 years uh, in the league now battling uh, some veteran injuries, um, right? Defensive side, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. I mean, these are guys that, you know, the, they're 10, 11, 12-year vets. Um, they're going to lose a lot of pieces, whether it be this offseason or, you know, if they try to come back for one more run, um, that's kind of their window, I feel. So, I don't know what Philly's future looks like, but I think as long I think that you know the NFL has proved that as long as you have a dynamic quarterback, uh, the other pieces are going to be a little bit easier to find because you're not going to ask you know playing wide receiver playing running back for Philly is not the same as playing you know running back for the Detroit Lions in a more uh, you know NFL driven system. I mean you're going to have a lot more success in some of those other systems just based off of what the other talent is around you, right? So um, I, I would I don't know if I would say I expect Philly to take a step back necessarily, but I don't view them being in the you same don't think they'll boat be the same. as a Cincinnati or as a Kansas City where, you know, that you, you tend to look at those teams as more of the juggernauts, guys that they're going to be good until their quarterback is no longer playing football, yeah. right? I think that's how we view some other teams, and I don't know if Philly's in that boat yet. So let me ask you this, after having watched that game, and even the AFC and NFC Championship game, how far away are the Lions from being able to compete with those teams at that time of year at that level? Well, that's, I mean, is it unfair to say that the Lions were probably playing, you know, top three football in the NFC? You know, when you look at the rest of the NFC, I think obviously we say, hey, Philly was playing pretty good and San Francisco was playing pretty damn good. Uh, other than that, you know, what other matchup would would have scared you, you know, in the playoffs? I mean, Dallas, Minnesota, Dallas. Giants. I, I think those are teams that you match up well with. I think that, you know, yeah. even the Dallas, we saw that matchup earlier in the season. Um, certainly that game was a lot closer. I mean, if you remember, it was, what, 10-6, to six and, yeah. you know, Jamal Williams fumbled on the one-yard line late in the third quarter with a chance to go up, and maybe that game looks a lot different. Um, but I think that just the landscape in the NFC right now is totally different than the AFC. AFC, you've got a freaking gauntlet, man. You've got, you know, these young teams with the Chargers and the Jacksonville Jaguars that are starting to make some noise, and then you've got Buffalo, Casey, Cincinnati. You know what I mean? Like, that is a freaking gauntlet you've got to try to go through uh, to get to the Super Bowl. You don't have that in the NFC right now. You don't. Um, Philly, good team. San Fran, good team, right? Yeah. Um, I don't look at them as being teams that the Lions are extremely far behind, though. You know what I mean? Right. Well, and Just a when couple you pieces, it, but you don't look at, oh, my God, we're playing Kansas City, or, oh, my God, we're playing Cincinnati, you, you know, good luck, or we're playing Buffalo. Yeah, hey, good luck, man. Like, these are teams in the NFC that you have to battle to get to that point that I think, for the most part, I mean, add a couple more pieces, they could be toe-to-toe with a lot of them. Yeah, and, I mean, you look and you say, okay, well, San Francisco, there's still some question marks about what they're going to do at the quarterback position. Obviously, Brock Purdy played well at the end of the year. What does he do coming off of elbow surgery? You know, he's not going to be able to to participate in practices throughout the course of the offseason. He's not going to be able to throw to receivers. 
How does that stunt his growth, and how does that affect his play next year if he's the guy? Trey Lance, we didn't see him much in year one. In year two, we saw one monsoon game that he played in with the Bears, and they lost, but then he gets hurt in, in week two. We don't see him again, and how yeah. much does that injury affect his his game in terms of being a mobile-style quarterback? And then, obviously, how does it affect San Francisco? Defensively, they're stacked. I mean, there's no question about that. Yeah. But when you talk about, hey, teams that you match up well against, that would be one. And it's it's kind of the same thing as Dallas. Now, Dallas isn't on the same level as San Francisco, but defensively, they're a really good defense. Yeah. Offensively, I don't I don't trust Dak Prescott. Um, Why? And you would, <laughs> Jeez, he's such a dick, Walter Payton, man of the year. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not going to be the Dallas or the uh, the Washington fan that boos the NFL uh, man of the, the year. Philly fans, yeah. That, yeah. I, I may not cheer as loudly as some other fan bases, but uh, yeah, that was not surprising though uh, no. that Philly would boo yeah, him. I think that's, that's what makes football so great. But to your point, and I, th- but I still think that there's. There's a big step to have to take when you talk about at the end of the year, was Detroit playing as as a top three team in the NFC? Sure, you can make that argument. But to make the NFC championship game, you gotta be one of the top two. Yeah. And I'm just I think there's a big step, and you would know better than me because you you were able to be a part of a, a, a team that made that step, got to the NFC championship game, made that next step, got to the Super Bowl. Um you know how big of a step is it from divisional round to conference round? It's uh, it's defense driven. Yeah. I mean it is, and there seems to be two kind of different mottos. Just when you look at it on paper between the AFC and NFC, the AFC kind of seems like it's in an arms race for offensive talent. Right? We got to score more points than the Chiefs. We got to score more points uh, than the Bills and the Bengals. Right? Or or than the Chargers. Right? We got to build, 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 build offense. Um, then the NFC, you kind of look at it and you say, a little bit more of an arms race for defensive players. Like yeah. we have no problem go winning a seventeen thirteen game or you know twenty one to twenty whatever it may be. Uh, Philly, you know, dominating defense. San Fran, you know, dominating defense. Um, it, th- that just kind of seems to be the way that the NFC is going. And if you're going to compete with those teams, now certainly, yeah, they can all score on offense. We saw that. Uh, with Philly and San Fran as well, but they were defensive-driven teams. Uh, the Lions are going to have to get to that point. And right now you look at it and you say, okay, we're in a better situation than we were last year. I think at this point last year we were looking at this defense saying, you know, probably need to replace maybe eight or nine of the guys on your team, you know, on, on your on your on that side of the ball. Yeah. Uh, this year you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, we got some pieces, right? We got the Aiden Hutchinson, right? We got the Malcolm Rodriguez. You know, Kirby Joseph, man, looked pretty good, right? Now you're looking at maybe, hey, we get three or four more pieces. Um, You're just continuing to build, uh, to stockpile some talent and build your way into being one of those teams that can contend with these other teams based off of how your defense looks. Now I think, you know, and, and we talked about this earlier, I think when you look back, you know, Hopefully in 10 years from now, we look back, you know, and this Lions team is, hey, maybe they turn into 
you know, Kansas City or Cincinnati or one of these longtime contending teams. Uh, I think this is going to be the biggest offseason for Brad Holmes' career. I do. Not only with the um, cap space that they have, we know they're going to restructure some contracts and um, probably release a couple contracts to get back up uh, to where they can make a couple moves and bring in a couple key players. But uh, continuing to build through the draft, right? Continuing to bring in those, uh, as you said with Philly, the homegrown players. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, we've seen the last couple drafts that Brad Holmes had. I mean, last year you look at, uh, you know, six of the seven guys, uh, rookies, getting significant playing time uh, and being uh, damn good players for this team. I think that's unrealistic to expect every year. But if you go in every this year, you know, what, four of the top 60 picks, uh, you know, two of them being in the top 18. You know, if you can go get another three, four young guys that can come in and, not even necessarily have the day one impact that, you know, Aiden Hutchinson did. We don't need players of the year, but we need guys that can come in and be damn good football players. Uh, that's going to take this team a long way. And it's just going to reset the foundation. It's going to reset the floor, right? Because I think last year they were hoping for to get to this point where they could, uh, you know, raise the bar, so to say. Um, but now they've done it. They've done it. They the, With the last 10 games, you know, winning eight and two, I mean that wasn't that wasn't an accident, you know what yeah. I mean? So when you step foot in that building again, you know in April and May, whether you be a veteran or whether you be a young player, you're going to understand there's different expectations. And I think that it's up to Brad Holmes to bring in the right guys. Um and look, is it unfair to say, you know, if you add three more key players defensively, uh that this team could turn into, you know, one of the top 
two or three teams consistently in this uh, NFC conference, I don't think that's far-fetched. But I think it's going to be up to Brad Holmes to bring in the right pieces. I I think you're right. I think we're going to look back and say the 2022 draft where he got you know six of the seven draft picks right, and they they're young players. They've gotten great production, and they're going to continue to develop. That might be the pivotal draft. This might be the pivotal offseason where there's a number of different ways you can acquire players, whether it's through free agency, trade, or the draft. Yeah. And this is where you start adding the pieces, and you start to see the picture, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, we're kind of seeing it a little bit. But defensively, and you mentioned this, the NFC is more of a defense-driven. If you're going to make that jump from – non-playoff team to playoff team, and then playoff team to divisional or conference round, you're going to have to improve on defense. Well, you look at the numbers, and I understand that the the final 10 games of the season told a different story than the first seven games. But at the end of it, it just shows you how bad they were at the start of the season because they still ended as a bottom team in most categories yeah. defensively. What are the priorities for this team this offseason? It doesn't have to just be defensively. Obviously, it, they need to improve defensively. But what are the top three priorities? If they're going to acquire players from free agency, trade, or draft, what position groups do you think that it's a must that they address this offseason? Yeah, well, I mean, it's just got to be the defense as a whole. I think the glaring weakness – uh, of this team right now would probably be the secondary, right? Um, and look, you're hoping that you get a healthy Tracy Walker back. You combine him with Kirby Joseph. Okay, maybe we're okay at safety. Um, but you look at the corner spot, and that's obviously a huge question, right? Jeff Okuda uh, was praised, you know, throughout what, probably 14 games as, man, he looks like a different player, right? He's looking like he's turning into. Um, not a game-change ball-hawk type guy, but a very solid corner. And then the last couple games, we didn't even see him play, right? Yeah. He was inactive. Yeah, what so happened? it's like, okay, what's going on there, right? Uh, you look at the other pieces you have. Will Harris is a guy who transitioned from safety to corner, did an okay job, right? But is he a, a day-one starter that you can write, you know, chalk down in, in, in the Sharpie? No, I think a lot of these guys are penciled in. Uh, that would be the first weakness, I think, that you look at in their defense. And and I still think the defensive line. I still think you're probably two or three pieces away. Look, I like what they have um, with Aiden Hutchinson. We all loved what we saw with James Houston. You know, I think we would all love if they could find a way to uh, keep John Kaminsky around and be a part of that group uh, as well. Ali McNeil, Bugs, guys that were probably – you know, unheralded players where didn't get a whole lot of, of praise or love, but solid players. Um, but they still got to find, in my opinion, some sort of interior three-down player, meaning just not, hey, we're stopping the run on first and second and subbing all these guys for the NASCAR package. Like, yeah. find me a guy that's going to go play three downs, stop the run first and second, and get after the quarterback on third, Right. And I know it's easier said than done. These guys just don't grow on trees. You can't just go pluck them uh, from wherever. But yeah. that would be a huge uh, addition to that defense as well. And look, I think the other thing is is you got to bring in game changers at this point, right? You've spent the last two uh, off seasons building the foundation, right? Panay Sewell, Amon Ross St. Brown, 
you know, Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson, Hutchinson. Yeah. hopefully Jameson Williams, right? The other guys that they, Malcolm Rodriguez, like you're building that foundation of young players. I think it's fair to say right now that that foundation is set, right? We know you got the right type of veteran players mixed with the right type of young players. Uh, now's the time to go over the top. Now's the time to start putting all the finishing touches on. Now's the time to go get me that chandelier, right? Go give me that yeah. uh, that crystal, uh, you know, that's going to sit on the table, right? Go give me the pretty things that are going to make this thing really start to take off and really start to shine and sparkle. Um, I think they're at that point now where Brad Holmes admitted last year, uh, you know, when he was asked, hey, a lot of wide receiver movement, right? A.J. Brown getting dealt and uh, – you know, Hollywood Brown from Baltimore, and even at a time, you know, um, Devontae, Devontae Adams. Adams, right? And even Debo Samuel this time last year wanted out of San Francisco. And he was asked, you know, hey, did, were you thinking about getting any, getting getting in on any of those moves? And he said, no. He's like, I, you got to kind of know where your team's at, right? Are these guys going to come in and help us, you know, still be a borderline playoff team? Or are we at the point now where we want to go get guys that can help us get to the championship weekend. Heaven forbid, get on a run and get to the Super Bowl. Um, I think he probably feels a lot different than he did this point last year, and I think that it would be acceptable for us as fans if we saw some of that, if we saw an aggressive trade or whatever it may be to go get, you know, that game-changing type guy that can come in and be a difference maker for your team. I think they're at that point now where they can they can start taking a couple more shots like that. Yeah, and so for me, the priorities aren't that much different. I think the number one priority defensively is in the secondary. And when, I think you're probably with me, when I say that, it doesn't mean I want them to go use that six number six overall pick uh, on a corner or on a safety. I, I, I still think you've got to take positional value in the draft, but they need to address, whether it's in free agency trade or uh, the draft, you're going to have to continue to get better in the secondary, especially at the corner position. I... I've thought about it a lot, and I don't want to pick up Jeff Okuda's fifth year. I think you let him play it out, uh, and if he shows improvement, it doesn't mean you can't you know, give him a contract extension yeah, throughout the year him, yeah. or re-sign him in free agency next year, uh, but I don't want to get locked into you know, escalating contracts for guys that are just you know, maybe Borderline, okay or, yeah. or a little bit better than okay. They're good, but they're not great. Um, and you know, if you pick up a guy's fifth-year contract, now all of a sudden in year six – you know they're not going to take. They're not going to want to take a pay cut, and it just puts them on a trajectory that I don't think is is due to Jeff Okuda. Um, number two for me in my priority list would be defensive line, very much like you. You got to have that three down guy in the middle that can be a run stopper, you know, and and then also be able to put pressure on quarterbacks, be able to create mismatches. That if you can rush four guys or even three in a third and long situation. Then you could drop guys into the secondary and be an effective defensive pass, uh, you know, in 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 a, in a position to defend the pass better with eight guys in coverage. And a lot of people would probably say linebacker, but for me, number three, I'm gonna go back to the offensive side and say offensive line. I don't think Vitae's back, and as much as I love Evan Brown, I don't think the Lions are gonna be able to afford to keep him back. So whether it's in the draft or it's in free agency. You go and get a next-tier guy that can come in because you're going to have to, at some point, pay Jonah Jackson. Now you got Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson, Frank Ragnow, Penny Sewell. You've got a lot invested, and it might be the right time to go in the second round. I wouldn't even be opposed in that number 18 position of getting a guy that's a tackle guard type at that. I think it might be a little bit high. 
but I don't think you can have too many pass protectors as well as pass defenders. And yeah. and by that I mean getting after the quarterback. Yeah. And I, I, I don't hate that. Um I do think that the way that their offense is designed and also with the personnel that they have around, like you don't need to plug in for me, you know, an all pro guy at right guard for this right. offense to be great. Right? right. You're playing next to uh Pro Bowlers and Frank right now and Panay Sewell. Um, we saw it last year, whether it be Evan Brown, whether it be uh, Dan Skipper, uh, Coyote, Oshika, you know, started a game there, yeah. and the offense never really took a step back. So I think that gives me a little bit of uh, solace in saying, you know, it's definitely a need, but like you said, not one that you have to go jump out at right away in the first round and say, we got to find our guy. You know, there's there's offensive linemen, um, you know, throughout the draft. Uh, Jonah Jackson was a third-round pick, came in day one starter, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we obviously know that uh, guard is way more important than any tackle position, though, so it will be a little bit more of Yeah, a you challenge. can plug those third-round guys in there. Hell, you can plug a fifth or sixth-round guy in there you can find uh, a, at guard. You can find a lot more tackles uh you know, later in the draft. That's because everybody wants to play tackle. For, but, yeah, I, that, that, and honestly, offensively, um, you know, I, I probably you hate to say I, – I don't even say it's a big need. It's definitely a need. Um, but yeah, I still think the running back position as well, you know. What are, what are they going to do with Jamal Williams? Kind of surprised that nothing has been done uh, yet. But is he a guy you're going to bring back? Are you going to add – if I were them, I would definitely add another – uh, young player throughout the draft, right? Mm-hmm. We know DeAndre Swift's going into a contract year. Is he a guy that, with his injury history, that you're going to delve out a, a a large extension to at this point? Probably not. So I think that's going to be a position uh, offensively that they're going to have to take care of as well. Um, just making sure you've got – just the way their offense runs, you know, the more bodies you got back there, the better. Yeah. And if they're when they're rotating, you know, not only two guys with Swift and Williams, but a third guy in there as well – I think that's when they're at their best. So I think, you know, off right guard, going to have to find a piece there. And I think a little situational running back would help as well. Well, when we come back next week, uh, I do want to take a look in division. The Lions were 5-1 and one this year in division, which is great. First thing you got to do is be able to win games in your division. Then you got to find a way to actually win your division. And, you know, a couple years ago, obviously, it was Green Bay. And for many years, it was Green Bay. This past year, it was Minnesota. Chicago's got a lot of cap room, uh, and they've, they've got a lot of draft picks, a lot of draft capital. They're in the catbird seat in this year's draft with that number one overall pick. Uh, and if they choose to deal it, what, what might that look like? Uh, but we'll take a look at what the division looks like, what we expect to happen at the different uh, uh, you know, cities uh, that the Lions uh, will be playing in, as well as you know, what happens with the non-division opponents this year, the common opponents that the Lions will have with Green Bay, Minnesota, and Chicago. But we'll get into that next week uh, here on Necessary Roughness.